You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Ahmed Munawar, and today we're talking to a Mr. Justin Blackman. I fundamentally believe that the most important skill that you must master to improve your marketing, to attract more clients, to win more business is your communication skills, the way that you communicate with prospective clients in your writing, in your marketing, in your videos, in your audios, the language that you use, the way that you communicate, the style in which you communicate And the voice in which you communicate is of paramount importance. If you look at really great marketers, people that are really, really good at selling you stuff, what you will find is they're really, really good at communicating. They're clear, they're concise, they have a style, they have a voice, and it's compelling, and it makes you want to buy. And the same is true for you and your brand and your service. So today, we're diving deep into copywriting and messaging and brand voice with Justin Blackman. Show notes are going to be at forecast.fm slash Blackman. That's forecast.fm slash Blackman. Before I let you go, if you haven't caught our new training on predictable referrals, you're going to want to check that out. The vast majority of consulting and professional services businesses rely on referrals. Business comes in from from clients, from other referral sources who know you, like you, and trust you. And it's a great thing when it happens. The problem is, it's usually not very predictable or very consistent or very stable. It kind of comes in when it does. And when you have referrals come in, it's a great month. When they don't come in, things are a little bit tight. What if you could make referrals more of a predictable lead source? Well, that's fundamentally what we address in this brand new training video. You can get immediate access to that over at forecast.fm slash referrals. That's forecast.fm slash referrals. Let's dive into my conversation with Justin Blackman. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Why don't you get the ball rolling, Justin, by telling us a little bit about your background and the quick story of how you got to the work you're doing today. Sure. Well, I'm Justin Blackman, and I spent two decades marketing big name brands like Red Bull and Puma and Five Hour Energy, where I learned the power of a good voice. And it made me hate the boring, drab, self-centered emails and websites that I was seeing. So I analyzed the good ones and uh, broke down the components of good copy. And then I've also studied a lot of quick hit storytelling techniques from comedians. And now I combine all those elements to help uh, B2B businesses craft memorable messages and create a consistent voice. So I got to ask, and I assume we're going to get further into this, but quick hit storytelling techniques from comedians. Tell me more about that. What, what, what is a quick hit storytelling technique? Well, it's funny. I've always loved comedians. And I remember being like 12 years old in, in the Walden bookstore in the mall and reading about stand-up comedy and the structures of jokes. And as I uh, dove into copywriting, and I realized that they're almost identical. Um, So essentially, comedy is all about condensing your sentences and being tight and getting to the punchlines as quick as possible. You're cutting out the fluff, you're getting rid of the backstory, and you're just sticking with the funny parts. So it's all about writing tight, writing fast, and there are joke formulas. Um, 
you know, whether it's uh, the lists, the comparisons, the callbacks, the reverses, there's just a lot of different ways of structuring a joke. And they're completely applicable to good copywriting. Um, the rules are almost identical. And um, I was always amazed at how quickly they, at how well they mesh together. Um, so it's essentially about, you know, finding the hook and telling the story as quickly and as interestingly as possible. You know, I never really thought about this. Uh, you know, I, I don't brand myself as a copywriter, mm -hmm. um, but that is kind of where I got into the game of marketing and, and I, and I do consider myself a student of copy. Uh, and I've always been fascinated by the way stand-up comics structure their jokes. And I, I really love that show on Netflix, you know, Seinfeld's show, Comedians yep. and Coffee. There's something just fascinating about two comedians swapping notes and talking yes. about their craft. I find it fascinating. And now I'm starting to wonder, is that because I'm a copywriter? Like, do we all share this fascination with comedy? <laughs> um, you would be amazed how many copywriters are comics. There's actually uh, there's a person named Kevin Rogers who runs an entire copywriting community. And um, it's called Copy Chief. He was a road comic for, I want to say, 12 years and eventually studied copywriting and became a master at it really quickly because he knew how to structure a joke. There is the same thing with musicians. Um, a lot of copywriters are musicians and study the lyrics um, more so than the music. They're more fascinated by the lyrics. So good copy, uh, good comedy, and good songwriting are all have the essential core elements. Okay. And I'm not good at either of those, by the way, music or comedy, but <laughs> I, I'm certainly fascinated by the craft. I can say that much. So, uh, Justin, we want to talk about brand voice today. Mm -hmm. uh, something that people struggle with, especially in the B2B space. And a lot of our listeners here are consultants. They're professional service providers. Um, they are a, a B2B business selling services to other companies. And it's a little bit, tricky for a lot of people to, to, to come up with a voice because they don't necessarily see the brand as being their own personal voice. And what usually happens is like you were referring to earlier, they come up with some very stodgy kind of corporate speak type copy that doesn't really speak to anybody um, or, or say anything meaningful whatsoever. So let's use that as a jump off point. Um, Justin, what's, what's wrong with that picture? <laughs> well, the essential, um, the the key core of um, of a good brand voice is that it can differentiate you from your comp from your competitors, even if you're all selling the exact same thing. It's what can make you stand out, and it can attract and repel the right and the wrong audience. So getting that, uh, getting your voice down, you learn to speak to your target audience so much better. You become clearer, and you just sort of rise above the pack. But it is hard. You're right, and the reason is throughout our entire life from grade school through college through whatever um, further education you've had you're taught to write academically you're writing for the teacher and you study grammar rules and you're taught to follow specific sentence structures and you know certain things like you can't start a sentence with and but or because but when you get to good copy you learn to break the rules you learn that certain, um, like even writing in passive tense, you don't want to do it, but every now and then, if you're, if you're cautious about it and you're specific about it, you can. You just have to learn to forget a lot of what you're, you're taught 
and it's okay if you wind up writing something that would make your fifth grade teacher cringe. As long as it sounds and reads well, you're in a better spot. But very few people learn how to do it. Unless you specifically study on what rules to break, you're going to sound a little corporate. So you said something earlier that I think bears further explanation and exploration. You said that if you just nail down your brand voice, that alone should differentiate you from the competition. Even if you're selling the exact same thing. So let's say you got 10 competitors in your market, you're all doing the same things. I mean, hopefully you're differentiated at some level, even at the, uh, at the service level. But let's say you weren't, let's say you're doing the same thing, right? What you're saying is developing that, that brand voice should be enough to differentiate you. Is that right? It can, absolutely, yes. Uh, I mean, even as a copywriter, there are hundreds of other people that can do what I do. But people like me because of my style, and you know when i when i speak i've got a bit of a jersey accent and i drop my g's and when i write i'll still drop my g's like i'll write nothing like <laughs> t-h-i-n apostrophe so it sounds like me and people like that it's a little bit different um, it's not that i'm saying something different i'm just saying it differently and that's that's what can really set you apart it just sort of drops the the sort of corporate overtones of things and it becomes a little bit more casual and it just it makes people relax and it, the interesting thing is tying it back to the comedy a little bit earlier when you can be a little bit funny sometimes it's unexpected um, but there's also a science to using comedy and copy and when you can be a little bit funny if you can make someone laugh it's proven that the highest point of listening comes right after a laugh if you can get people to drop their guard, you're in. Got it. I think I heard um, Brian Clark from Copy Blogger Rainmaker Digital say once something to the effect of there's two ways you can win in business. You can innovate in the service or you can innovate in the marketing. And the point he was making was that for, for those of us who are in, you know, we're kind of traditional businesses where we're not, you know, the, the product itself, the offer itself is not artificial intelligence, virtual reality. Like it's not some game changing new product. It's, it's, it's some kind of offer that's been around that you can still win in the market just by innovating in the marketing. I think that's, that's what you're touching on is, is if, if you have that, that brand voice that speaks directly to your target market, which, you know, should be necessarily narrow and focused, um, then that's, what's going to set you apart. And the way I think about this, Justin, and I want to get your thoughts on this is, Hopefully, like I said earlier, you've differentiated yourself at some level in the service itself. It's not completely exactly the same as everybody else. That's a problem, right? But, but how do you then attract the kind of people that are going to be perfect for your solution, for the way that you do things? Because the way that you think, do things is hopefully somewhat unique and you have a perspective and a point of view. Well, I think the argument here that you're making is you do that in, in the marketing and the copy and the communications and the messaging. You, you draw in, like you said earlier, you attract the people that are perfect for your way of doing things in the messaging. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And it only comes through after hours and hours and hours of research. Um, it's diving in, talking to your customers, doing interviews, doing, um, you know, just reading social posts and even Amazon book reviews on books that they will read to really figure out what exactly their problem is. Not a general case of it, but, specifically exactly what they're using learning how they speak what words they use um 
and just sort of getting into the nitty gritty. You got to get your hands dirty and it takes a lot of research to figure it out. The more, the less research you do, the more general you're going to be. And you're not going to be able to hit upon those pain points and dial in your voice as well as someone that, uh, that has been in the trenches with them. So I'd imagine you would argue the more narrow your audience is, the better. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's going deep. So you can either go wide and try to attract everyone, or you can go deep and be very, very specific with someone. Um, I'd say the deeper, narrow and deep is the way to go. So let me ask you this. Let, let's say I'm, I'm a consultant and I'm going to make up a scenario here. Sure. Okay. Let's say I'm a consultant and I consult to the CFO of Fortune 1000 companies right. and I have some service for, for, for him or her. When it comes to research, I'm putting on the spot here a little bit. I appreciate that. <laughs> when it comes to research, <laughs> you know, there's no like Amazon product for, you know, the dummies guy to become a CFO of the Fortune 1000 company, right? What, what does that look like? Where do I go for market research to get that language down? What do you recommend there? Well, that could be uh, if, if you're able to score interviews with specific CFOs and uh, understanding exactly what their days look like. So you're not just speaking to the general, um, to the general business, but you're actually speaking to the CFO. That's important. So you don't just want to talk about like one. I mean, you said Fortune 1000. There's a thousand different companies there. I would almost say let's drill it down a little bit. Let's see. Um, maybe there are oil companies in the Fortune 1000, and let's say there are six of them. If you can become the um, consultant to CFOs of the oil industry in the Fortune 1000, then as soon as that person hits your page, they know that they're in the right spot. It's not general. It's going to be specific. You're going to be able to talk to them. You're going to be able to use their language. But yeah, I would say that you're going to want to conduct as many interviews as you can. Um, you're going to want to talk to other vendors that have worked with them. Not not that ones that that are your competitors, but maybe their their colleagues in slightly different areas that have worked with you and you can sort of branch alongside of them and maybe partner up. But yeah, the more, in, the more details you can get about that specific person rather than the general industry, the more you're going to be able to dial it in. Yeah. I think that, that mirrors uh, what I teach my clients. I think the best form of market research, if you have clients is talking to them, right? Like having conversations, but conversations that are not just necessarily focused on value creation and solution delivery. Obviously that's important in a client relationship, but even just, you know, to start paying attention to why do they, why do they see things a certain way? Yeah. Like what is, you know, what's driving this perspective that they have on things. And when you get into disagreements with clients, which happens in any kind of healthy client relationship, there should be some level of intellectual disagreement. Why is that? Like, what, what's informed their views on this? Like, that's the kind of stuff that I think is is the gold, right? If you can understand, you know, why they think the way that they think, then you're in a position to actually influence that thinking. Yes. Uh, and my favorite part of an interview is when you sort of fall off of the the initial question and you just sort of go off to the side and the person forgets that they're being interviewed and becomes a conversation. That's where the gold is. It's mm -hmm. not their answer to the question. It's their answers to the follow-up questions. And when they just become more human, and that's the language that I pull from. It's not their initial answer. It's when they forget that they're being interviewed. 
So one of the things I recommend to clients who maybe don't have those relationships yet and they want to develop those relationships is to go out and do some customer development interviews. Mm-hmm. And this is a common the tool and uh, and language that's used in the startup space and the lean startup space is go and talk to, to customers, not to sell them, mm-hmm. but to identify and validate problems so you can understand the language and, and, and validate that they have the issue that you solve. Yeah. Um, do you have any recommendations on you know how to get those? Like, how do you get someone to say yes to having that conversation with you? I would say the first thing you want to do is provide a little bit of value so you can stand out. Um, you can let it be known that you're not selling them, that you're just doing interviews, like like you said, just for, for information. But one of the good ways of doing it is to, one, kiss up a little bit. Be like, hey, you know, I've looked at, I've read your, your blog on so-and-so, and it was really great. And I think here's another resource that you might like who's got a similar view. Um, love to hear more about what you think about it. Um, you know, is it possible that we can schedule five minutes of your time? Just kind of looking for, for something. But yeah, you want to show that you know who they are, that you've done your research, um, but provide a little bit of value to them. Let them know that they're going to get something out of the conversation as well. I had a guest on the show uh, by the name of Philip Eidson, who who hosts a podcast called The Art of Procurement. Nice. And what Philip did was was brilliant in line with this. Is is he he went out and started interviewing for his podcast chief procurement officers and VPs and directors of procurement, and that's his space. And he interviewed them on best practices and what they're doing and, you know, their vision for their businesses and yada, 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 future procurement. And then he turned around and packaged the business around it. But now he had like 200 some odd procurement executives who he has warm relationships with. But more important than that, he had this like lay of the land as to what's going on in the industry and what people are struggling with and 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 what their pain points are that he gleaned through these interviews. I yeah. thought it was a strategy. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I'm blanking on the name of the book, but there's different character types. And one of them is the connector. And it just talks about being able to link people and create relationships and nothing in it for you, but just, providing initial value that eventually will come back to you. And that's one way of, uh, of getting a couple of, of guest interviews and just opening doors. Just yeah, totally. totally. And I think the other way is like, I don't, I don't think you have to start a podcast. That's one extreme example, right? But sure. another way is to your example, let's say you're targeting, you know, CFOs and the fortune 1000 and was it oil and gas? I think you said, right? Yeah. Um, Go to all the, the 10 CFOs in that space and say, hey, look, I'm gathering some best practices that CFOs in this space are, are using to achieve particular outcome. Um, would love to chat with you to understand what you're doing. And I'm going to circulate a report in the end that will capture some of those best practices and share it with you. Right? So they actually get something out of the conversation in the end. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Or even just a blog post, linking back to them and, and showing them as an expert. You're basically giving them more credibility and you're kind of putting a little feather in their cap. Totally. There are lots of ways to do this if you get creative. So Justin, let me ask you this. Uh, To to our previous point, I want to explore a little bit further on a a particular uh, angle here. People who are not trained copywriters, even trained copywriters, I think, often struggle to articulate themselves in in a voice that's true and authentic to themselves that doesn't sound overly corporate or formal. Right? Yeah. how do we so like how do we crack that nut? How do I start writing in a way that's that's like you describe, engaging and and personable and 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 brings out that unique value that I bring to the table, um, without sounding like I'm some big firm or big company that's you know releasing a statement for my corporate communications department? Like how do how do we do that? 
<laughs> well, so you can go the Hemingway uh, version and uh, write drunk and edit sober. So you can you can try that. <laughs> That's what most copywriters do. Um, but let's see. There are there's an interesting uh, sort of dichotomy between writing and speaking. And certain people are great and very fluid and are natural conversationalists, but are very formal when they start to write. Um, one easy technique, which I've just started experimenting and I've been pretty impressed with the results, is using the uh, the voice to text features. So you can Google Docs has it. You can literally just press a button and start talking and it'll um, transcribe everything that you're saying. That's a really easy way of getting a more natural sounding uh, version out. And then you can always edit from there. So that's one, if you are comfortable with the way that you speak. Um, secondly is there actually are measurable components to copy. Um, and I've been studying a lot about this recently. And there, there's essentially a few components to it. There's your tone, which is whether you are you know, optimistic, pessimistic, um, adamant, um, you know, educational, informational, just whatever ways you can describe your personality. Um, there's your cadence, which is your, your sentence structure. If you write long, flowy, verbose type of sentences, or if you write short and choppy. So um, I write short and choppy myself. Um, <laughs> someone recently told me that they read my writing in the voice of Christopher Walken. <laughs> where it's just sort of lots of hard stops. Um, and that's just me, but you can typically uh, tighter writing. Um, well, more corporate writing will have a longer sentence and a um, just sort of a longer cadence to it, whereas more natural is usually a shorter cadence. And then there's just the type of language that you use. Um, a lot of people will use, you know, $5 words when a 10 cent word can use. Yeah, we'll do. Get rid of all of the, the corporate jargon and any type of SAT word that you're trying to get in. Get rid of it. Don't say utilize when you can say use. Just be natural. Just write like you talk. It's hard. I mean, it, it's hard for a lot of people. Um, just because, as I said, we've been trained to write longer our whole life. So just give yourself permission to break the rules and upset your grammar teachers. Well, I mean, the objection I get all the time to this uh, and, it, and it's frustrating is, well, I, I want to sound professional though. I want to look professional. I don't want to look like an amateur. What would you say to that? <laughs> Take a look at um, some of the, the highest uh, positions in the world right now. And I'm not going to get political on you, but Look at, <laughs> well, I see where you're going. <laughs> look at the sentence structure and the words that President Trump uses. It's simple. It's common. You're not writing to the position. You're writing to the person. Hmm. And even look at the, the last um, Supreme Court judicial nominees. One of the, uh, wow, I just forgot his name. Um, but in the whole trial, one of his uh, most um, retweeted and uh, memed lines was, I like beer. Even people that sit on the Supreme Court like beer. Write to the guy that likes beer. And you're not writing to his position, you're writing to his personality. So lose all of the, the major formalities. You can still sound professional. You're not, you're not um, you know, sending him 30 pictures or anything. You're, <laughs> you're still going to 
the value in the content that you're providing is professional, but the language can be a little bit more casual. No, I think it's a fantastic point. And, and I, I think people forget that, you know, maybe they think they're, comp they're competing with their competitors, right? Which is true. But what they fail to recognize is that in the, in the digital landscape, when they're online, they're on LinkedIn or they're on Facebook, mostly LinkedIn for our people, or they're writing an email campaign, they're competing with BuzzFeed. Yes. Right? And yes. like and like, you know, these really, really skilled copywriters and these really, really strong messages yes. that's competing with for attention. So it's not just the firm down the street that you're competing with. It's, it's all these other people trying to grab your people's attention. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what, if it's your language, if it's your headline, there are ways of just being a little bit more informal and getting the open rate and, um, and just getting past the first couple of sentences. It's if your email reeks of a cold email and that you're about to pitch them on something, they're not going to make it past the first couple of sentences. You need to be casual enough that you can sound a little bit like an acquaintance and get them to keep reading. Yeah, I love that. And I'm curious, Justin, we're talking about writing, but I think everything we're talking about here equally applies to, you know, audio, video, whatever your form of content may be. But, you know, I find it all kind of begins with good writing. If your writing is good and if you know how to put words on paper that are, like we talked about, you know, personable and relevant and, and, and unique and authentic to you, then everything else kind of goes well. You can do strong videos and audio because it begins with that writing structure. Yes. Do you have any suggestions, again, for the non-copywriter among us, right, um, you know, who wants to sharpen their, their ability to craft these kinds of messaging and, and, their, and their writing chops. Any suggestions on, you know, routines and practice and, and things that we can do to get better at this? Yeah, uh, I would say that um, you want to kind of go back to the, the comedians with the tight writing and the quick hits. You want to write as short as possible. Um, it's very rare that people read an email and go, gee, you know, I wish that were longer. So try to cut out words, any type of unnecessary filler, get rid of it. Um, one of the things that we're all really prone to doing and only after years of writing, can I <laughs> avoid it is usually the first almost paragraph to two paragraphs that you write are what we call throat clearing. They're warm introductions. How was your day? I hope you had a good time doing this. Get rid of it. Get right into the meat of things. So usually, it takes a while, but it used to be that I would start writing and immediately, like once I got the first draft, the first edit I would do, I would immediately just cut the first five sentences and then it would jump right into things. So you get into it quicker. Um, you create more of a hook and you get past that. Um, like I was saying before, if you reek of a cold email, you're not going to get past those first sentences. Get rid of all that. Get rid of the throat clearing copy. Uh, it's funny. I've got copywriters who help me on my team. And every time I submit something to them to take a look at, they delete the first couple of lines. And, and, and I'm, I started to notice a pattern. Every time I do this, you delete the first couple of lines. And to your point, they always come back to me and they say, well, you really only got to your point right here. Yep. Just get rid of everything else because let's just jump into the point. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, it's the throat clearing. In terms of like practicing writing, do you recommend folks try to write every day, like free writing? Do you have any, any suggestions on that? Free writing is great because it helps you come up with ideas. It's not necessarily going to make you a better writer. When you're free writing, you're not analyzing the language that you're using, but it does help you come up with great ideas. And that those are ways to um, that you'll find hooks that you can recycle later on. 
Like you'll just write something like, oh, that's a good line. Or that's, I hadn't really thought about that. And your brain is making connections. That's where the story comes in. And I will say that a good story trumps bad writing every time. Um, you know, you'll, you'll forgive like verbose writing if the story is, is engaging enough to hook you. So good story beats, beats a uh, good copy. Um, if you've got a both, you're golden. Um, but as far as, as just little tricks to become a better, tighter writer, um, one of them is to get rid of your adverbs. Um, any words that end with L-Y. Adverbs are essentially signs of weak verbs. So like you could say that you walked slowly or you could say that you trudged. You know, a trudged is a better word. It's interesting. It's, it's more engaging. That's probably the easiest win that you can find. Anytime you see an L-Y, cut it and then revisit the verb that it is working with and punch that up. And that alone will make your, your writing more interesting. What did Stephen King say? The road to hell that's paved with adverbs? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love that line. Yeah, uh, I think your point about free writing is a good one too. And, and I've, I'm certainly not good about this. I wish I was better. But every time I do free writing, and for those who don't know what that is, free writing is just to sit down and write stream of consciousness. So whatever comes to mind gets put on the paper. You don't filter or edit anything out. And every single time I do it, I come up with a really strong idea. Yeah. But I've been using content or in training or, or every time something really tangible comes out of it. And, and it's, it's a powerful idea because there's probably all kinds of stuff running around your subconscious um, that you haven't been able to articulate yet that you can with the right routine around free writing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. And I haven't done it, but I've heard that if you do it left-handed, like if you're writing and you free write left-handed, even more stuff comes out. Oh my goodness. Okay, I try that now. <laughs> <laughs> the question is whether or not you can read it afterward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Justin, uh, anything else that you want to mention here that we haven't talked about today? We've covered a lot of ground, but uh, anything that you want to mention as far as brand voice that um, that you want people to walk away with here? Yeah, I'll just say that there are um, two things to consider when you're dealing with brand voice. If you are your company, you need to make sure that your brand voice matches you. Because mm -hmm. I've seen time and again, um, clients who their website and their email will portray one character and then you get them on the phone or on video and they are something completely different. <laughs> so be sure that that matches. Um, if you are not your brand, if you have a, uh, a specific, say, let's say it's an agency and you are um, just part of that agency or the president, you can have two totally separate voices. And in fact, sometimes that can work in your favor. You can be a continuation and you can mirror as long as the ideas are the same and you don't want to have a total disconnect, but you can be a little bit more edgy or more playful in one than the other. Um, usually it's like the agency will be a little bit more formal than the person will be a little bit more informal, but it can work the other way. So just uh, just be aware that you are not your your own. You are not your corporate brand. No, that's fantastic. And I think for me, Justin, the big takeaway here is it, humans want to in, interact and engage with humans. Yes. Right. So the more that you can bring out your humanity and your voice and your personality and your authenticity in your copy or your video or whatever your form of communication is, the more people are going to engage with you. And the more that you're true to that, the more you'll attract the right people, which is kind of the idea here, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the human to human, that's, that's a big, big angle. It's not B to B. It's not B to C. It's H to H. It's human to human. Totally. Awesome. Justin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, where can people look you up and, and learn more about you or from you if they want to? 
Sure. I'm at prettyflycopy.com. Easiest way to remember it is all the people say I'm pretty fly for a right guy. And <laughs> it's a terrible pun, but it works and people remember it. Um, on Twitter, I'm at prettyflycopy. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, at uh, Justin Blackman. And I, uh, I respond to every email that I get. So <laughs> send them away. Nice. Awesome. We'll drop links to all those in the, in the show notes. Justin, thanks for coming on. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com and you can spell out five or use the number, either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening.